Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kato. I'm Ambi. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. Games all things diplomacy thrown in with two Aussie trunks. Absolutely. And um, is that your second or your third beer already before we started recording? Second. Okay. Well, I'm just about to finish my first and about to start the second too. Got a bit of catch up to do. We do indeed. We're, We're drinking at... We've actually drunk here before. I just discovered that when we walked in here and you said we've been here before. I'm going, no, we haven't. It's it's kind of like the pub that's just a couple of doors up the road that must be the same layout. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, they've changed names. So the elephant um, is, is, now, called is the now called the Prince, Prince Consort. Yes. So, well, same decor, same everything. So much changed on the inside. Well, I think they've just given a bit of paint and a couple of new bits of furniture and... Pretty plants. The last time we were here, I was pissed out of my face, and I was talking about Squirrel Wars. <laughs> I think we will talk about Squirrel Wars a little bit later in our Patreon episode. I've got right, some so. thoughts on that. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, actually, it kind of got me prompting, sorry, prompted my mind, because the challenge we've got is you usually, what works best for you is Tuesdays as a recording day. This Most year. Yes. Yeah, this year. Yep. And usually about 4.30. And apart from probably Monday, Tuesday is the hardest day to find a venue that's open. True. And 4.30, some places start opening about 5, 6 o'clock-ish. So if we're going to get together at 4.30, it limits the pool again. Mm. So just want to flag, because part of the philosophy behind the show is to always go to a different bar. Yeah. Are we cool with going to bars that we've been to before, but like this, have been totally changed into a new type of bar? Because there's a couple that I'm aware of that are actually open on Tuesdays that we... Um, have been, but have changed hands. Yeah, they've changed hands or totally redesigned themselves and things like that. Well, I'm not against that at all. That's still in principle still within, On principle, just yeah. like we're now here on principle at... But it was, this was an accidental principle. Oh, well, well, we can make it into a thing. It's like when we went to the um, Carrington and it used to be part of the, you know, sabotage bar. Next year I'll be more available on the, uh, well, later on in the week as opposed to earlier. Oh, so, yeah. Well, usually once you get to like that Thursday, mm. you get a lot more bars. Friday, fucking everything's open, obviously. Of course. For all the drunks. Yeah, of course. Weekend. Drunks not like us. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, I'm having a Bolter XPA. I love the Bolter. Okay, well, I'm on a um, Young Henry's Newtowner. I've had this before, which is nice. It's yeah, nice I normally have the Newtowner, but it's my, my number two pick. But I reckon the XPA's and the Bolter's the number one. Have you had that before? I probably have. <laughs> just <laughs> so maybe later on in the evening and you've forgotten what it tastes like. I'll give it another go. Mm. Actually, today, oh, this episode, we interviewed David Wood. Yes. Um, I don't know, should we just jump straight into it? I think we should. Uh, David Hood, welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Um, so, you're you're a long term hobbyist in, in in the game. You've you've been around for a little while. I was actually kind of trawling through some of the old Diplomacy World magazines, and your name is quite prolifically sprinkled everywhere, um, going back many many editions. What what got you into the game in the first place? Well, we had a group in high school that played a lot of Risk, but. Eventually, we got tired of the dice, 
So one of my friends said, well, I, I think my dad's got this game in the closet or something where there's no dice. Let's go find it. So we went to his house and tried to find it and couldn't find it. So we went out and bought one, started playing diplomacy and never looked back. And when you say you never looked back, what, what, what kind of captured you at the time with the game? Well, no question that there was a uh, big draw that there was that there was no luck in the game. That was the big thing that separated it from the other board games we were playing at the time. And then the fact that you could play a game that was, uh, you know, people oriented and negotiation oriented that was that was very enticing to me. Uh, enjoyed it from the very beginning. I think it's a big draw card for a lot of people. That. Um, so most recently you've been um, hosting the Diplomacy Broadcast Network. Um, you're the face of it. Um, I, was, I was just really interested in how that came about. What um, did was it a was it a COVID concept or was it a concept that's been on the boil for a while and um, you just found the time to do it, sort of get it off the ground? Net. Just can you talk us through how it came to be? Well, I could if I had actually started the Diplomacy Broadcast Network, but actually, they, I'm, I'm just I'm just the recruited talent. The people that actually came up with it were, <laughs> and the talent, I use the word talent in quotation marks, but the people that uh, came up with it were really Brandon Fogel and Zach Moore and Brian Prable. And they did it, I think they already had some ideas about doing some coverage of games, you know, live and that sort of thing. But there's no question that COVID really kicked it off. But the, my involvement with it beca- uh, came to fruition when Brandon suggested that they had been talking about doing a news program, and they thought that I should be the news anchor. So I said, okay, and we talked about it a little bit more, and you know, we started planning for the first edition of Deadline News, which came out in July. So, so what was your first thoughts around that when they first started talking to you around that concept? I thought it was a great idea. You know, I, as you pointed out, I have been in the hobby a really long time, which really just means I'm an old guy, (laughs) but, but I have seen, I have seen a lot and, you know, the hobby has gone up, the hobby has gone down in terms of numbers and enthusiasm, but the idea of actually getting, um, you know, YouTube or, or what I would in the old days called good television about diplomacy. That's just that's just crazy cool that, that we that we can do that. I mean, podcasts like yours are awesome also. And I think in a very important part of diplomacy media, because we can't always, you know, be involved in video. It's great to have something you can listen to when you when you can't watch video. But the idea of getting, you know, video content on the internet that and we already had some but I, you know what i'm talking about you know, the, the coverage of the games and you know sort of live commentary i mean that that's just such an addition to the hobby just it's exciting it's been a very ex- exciting to me the first time i saw it and uh has only my excitement it has only grown you know the, the first the first time i really was paying attention to the what they were doing on the commentary was when they actually came to DixieCon and, and did the which was my tournament and did the full, you know, the live streams of, of both rounds. It just blew me out of the water. So, YouTube, it, you mentioned it's a very, um, you know, a, a video. It's a visual medium. Um, I, I can, I can, I've, I've watched 
many of the broadcasts and you obviously have quite a bit of fun sort of putting it together. Um, can you talk us through that process? How does a typical broadcast um, sort of come together? Sure. Uh, well, with, with the Deadline News broadcast, we that, that planning starts several weeks before we tape the episode. And what we do is is come up with a uh, panel discussion theme that, you know, some kind of topic about diplomacy that we think would, would benefit from a discussion of, you know, two or three hobbyists. And then I recruit the, the folks that I want to use. And then we talk about, you know, what topics we want to, you know, subtopics we want to cover during the discussion. And then we set up a time to tape the, the, foot, the, uh, the footage, so to speak. And then it gets sent to the editors uh, at DBN, and they edit it together along with my headline segment that I write myself and do. And, and then we put that together. We've had a couple of other features. Sometimes we've had some interviews in addition to the panel discussion. So it's a little bit of an evolving concept, but we, you're right that it's fun. We, we just enjoy doing it. We hope people enjoy watching it, but we certainly enjoy doing it, putting it together. So there seems to be a, a fair amount of liberty that you get. I mean, so it's not just you're the quote-unquote talent who kind of turns up, you've got a script, you read it, and you deliver a few few choice lines. So it seems to be that you, you actually are quite an integral part of at least that deadline news component of the DBN. Well, okay, fine. So I do have some more role than just being the talent. Uh, I do write the script uh, for the most part. I, I do let somebody edit it if they want to. And then we, you know, certainly do coordinate. But my, my, I guess my point was on the technical end, that's not really my part of it. The editing and, and you know, the graphics and things like that are done by the DBN guys, and they are just really top-notch at doing this, this content. So the deadline news is the one thing. That's the that's the, the, where you would see my face a lot, but you would also um, see my face as one of the commentator commentators for Game Day Live broadcast, which is the other main type of broadcast we have on DBN. That that's the coverage of the of the tournament games and the coverage of the virtual diplomacy league games, and I, I, I frankly I get pretty excited about doing those too. That's really cool. Um, this, this may sound like a really odd, bizarre question, but the idea of actually delivering the, uh, the deadline news all suited up, um, I'm assuming that was your, your idea? Much like a normal yeah, news anchor? Yeah, that was, that was my idea. I just figured if we were going to do a news program, and, you know, it's intended to be a little, little tongue-in-cheek in, in the sense that, you know, we're not the news. It's, it's a game, for goodness sake. So it's a, it's a little bit... Touch in cheek. Uh, I mean, uh, tongue in cheek. But I figured, you know, I wear a suit most of the time anyway. It's in my job, so it doesn't. I've got a lot of suits, and I figured that would just be a, a fun way to make it, you know, look like that that this is um, uh, professionally done. And and you know, we we try to we really do try to make it uh, seem as professional as one could could make it seem, given the fact that we're not actually professionals. Have you got any kind of feedback that's come through from either people within the community or, I, mean, oh, I don't know if anyone's ever stumbled upon it, who, don't, who doesn't know a thing about diplomacy and was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Um, have you got any feedback at all about how the um, uh, broadcast, um, sorry, the, the deadline news is being received? 
I think uh, within the diplomacy hobby, it's it's been received really well. I've had a lot of great comments, a lot of great suggestions that people give me. Um, so I think within within the hobby, it's it, it's being received pretty well. You know, there's a really there really is a place in the in the certainly in the DBN pantheon for something that's only thirty plus minutes long, because as you know from looking at other DBN broadcast you know we have hours long commentary and that can be a little bit hard to get into uh you know to watch the whole thing whereas a, a deadline news episode in 30 35 minutes something like that pretty easy to watch in terms of feedback from people outside the hobby i have shown it and you know shared it on facebook and shown it to people that i know and they all uh basically look at me like i'm nuts so uh, that's but that, you know that's okay it, 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 it certainly gives me an excuse to tell them about diplomacy. It's a good in, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. It's kind, I mean, of, it's, interesting. it's kind of like us with, oh, you know, you kind of happen to drop at a barbecue that you run a podcast or whatever, and it gives you a, an in to at least talk about the game and, and to get some very quizzical looks. Oh, this happened today. I was at a social event uh, with a couple of um, – actually, the purpose of the social event was our spouses knew each other. So we were just our guys were just standing around and and we somebody mentioned risk and so I started talking about diplomacy and then I said you know I'm the network news broadcast anchor and they said what <laughs> <laughs> and you know I have no doubt that both of those guys went home looked it up on YouTube at the very least to laugh at us but more importantly they're both board gamers they may have actually gotten excited about the game I mean there's not very many games that have a network news program. That's too true. Like, like none. Like none. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see if they do follow up, um, particularly if you're able to kind of find out through the wives network some way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll have, I have my ways of finding out. Plus, you know, we, we, do, we do play locally. If we ever get to play face-to-face again, uh, we do have North Carolina-based games, so maybe I'll be able to invite them to a game. Actually, that's a good that's a good question at the moment. I mean, because obviously we're totally on the other side of the world uh, in a different set of circumstances. Um, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that all face to face, you know, games and everything like that are still, you know, definitely not happening within the US. Yeah, that's that's pretty much right. Yeah. Uh, much to everyone's chagrin, but of course that that has been the impetus, not just for Diplomacy Broadcast Network, but for for lots of fun things going on online. Uh, it's kind of been the silver lining for the cloud that we're in, that, that as a diplomacy hobby, we've really branched out and, and developed a lot of other ways to play the game. You know, Virtual Diplomacy League is an example of that. I'm thinking that's going to continue to be a thing even after this stupid virus is over with because it's, a, it's, a, it's just a totally new way for people to play diplomacy, you know, live with people all over the world. Uh, that is not remotely in competition with playing but in tournaments or playing online with asynchronous games. It's just literally a new way of playing diplomacy has been invented in the last several months. And I think people will continue to do it. No, I, I totally agree. I think pre-COVID there was really this group of face-to-face players, online players, and it was never the twain shall meet except in rare exceptional circumstances. And, and yeah. now there is, I think, that, that blending that is definitely going on. 
which I think, as you said, will, will probably kind of continue into the future and, if anything, provides a great opportunity for that crossover to start occurring for online players to start actually maybe in the future post-COVID and everything like that to actually come to face-to-face games and I don't know whether any of the face-to-face players as a result have started dabbling more in the online space because they've been playing virtual games. I don't think there's any question that both of those uh, directions, both the crossovers happening in both directions. I mean, I've seen evidence of it just this past week with face-to-face players getting into playing online and, 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 and I think online players now that they've been hooked up with what we would consider to be the face-to-face and now the virtual face-to-face hobby. I have no doubt that's going to continue. And if you don't mind me saying so, this is something I've been looking forward to literally for 30 years. When I was the editor of Diplomacy World, uh, the first uh, issue that I did was in the fall of 1990. I I did a recent article about this in Diplomacy World. I went back and looked at that 30-year-old episode and in that episode, I was describing to the diplomacy hobby right then what online diplomacy was, because none of us had ever heard of it. And we were hoping there would be some crossover in the 1990 time frame. And there really hasn't been as much as anybody would hope until maybe now. So again, for people like me, this is a terribly exciting time. That would have all just been done by, as, as like potentially using email rather than play-by-mail. Is that right? It was, it was <clears throat> yes, that what I was talking about was the very beginnings of email diplomacy took place in the late 80s, early 90s. And we, we you know, I was in the postal hobby at that point, the play-by-mail hobby, and so, as well as the face-to-face hobby. We knew about play-by-email, and we knew some of the players. Some of them showed up at tournaments. But as you said, the never the twain shall meet. I really don't think the twain met very much in the ensuing decades. I mean, occasionally. I had, you know, play by email players and online players eventually coming to DixieCon some, but it really was just a trickle. And and I'm thinking now we're going to have more like a flood back and forth. Yeah. um, Why do you think that that separation occurred for so long? Because there wasn't a great place to go and interact. You know, we, we had things like the, the Diplomatic Pouch and Diplomacy World that were things on online, but that catered somewhat to people that were face-to-face players. But otherwise, you know, what what met, what uh, meeting room did we have for, you know, to go and shake hands with people from the other world? I mean, only if one ha- happened to decide they were going to go to a tournament and they were t- primarily an online player or vice versa. But now, because we've all been forced to go online with everything, that's almost forced us to come together in a good way. Um, and I think you know, it really started with DixieCon, which was the first face-to-face tournament that went virtual. You know, the, there was just a flood of people that the face-to-face hobby were like, "Who are these people?" And and the uh, online players that were flooding into DixieCon were like, "We don't know. Who are you people?" You know. <laughs> It was a great opportunity to, uh, to to get to know each other, and something like the Diplomacy Broadcast Network is is can be the glue to hold that together. Because now we we you know we talk about who everybody is uh, during the broadcast. You know, here's Natty Schaefer from Utah. Here's John Anderson from Utah. Here's Gavin Atkinson from you know from Brisbane, whatever. And and it's it's just a great way to you know cross populate and cross pollinate between between the hobbies. Again, I get a little bit excited about talking about this because guess what i'm excited about 
So what keeps you excited about it? After after so many years of being involved in the game, the, the the game itself doesn't intrinsically change. It's still the same game it was in the late eighties. So, what keeps that level of interest still going for you? Well, I've said this before, and I think it's true. The diplomacy is not really a game about pieces; it's a game about people. So, what keeps you interested in the hobby, and what keeps me excited about the hobby, is meeting the people, interacting with the people, becoming friends with the people. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, to me, the exciting part. And, and what I'm saying about now is that look at all these new people that are meeting each other and interacting with each, with each other for the first time, you know, just like we are here, for example. You know, uh, just the fact that we've gone into the virtual face-to-face world and things like the DBN has, has caused us to get, you know, to have all these interactions that we wouldn't have had before. And I just find that tremendously exciting. So when it comes to the people and the way that they approach and play the game, um, drawing upon your experience, how has how has those interactions changed? Has there been anything that has ch- that's caused a dynamic in the way people approach and play the game? Is that kind of altered over time? Have you, have you noticed? And if so, in what ways? That's a good question because. Um in some ways, I have seen a lot of change in the hobby. Um, and is, I'm not even sure where to start. Well, one example would be, where do we get our players from? But way back when I started in the 80s, we were getting our players basically from other people who played other war games. And that's not really true now in the sense that we're not getting people who were playing Avalon Hill, other Avalon Hill, you know, quote, war games, end quote, and they eventually gravitate over to diplomacy. I think we're more likely to get players who are playing other types of games that have nothing to do with, you know, traditional Avalon Hill type games. We're, we, you know, we get people who play online games of various types who then gravitate towards diplomacy. So like a di- and, and because of that, you end up with a little bit, I think, a more diverse group of people now than we did back in the day. Um, which I'm not saying we didn't have diversity back in the day, but it, I just think it's way more diverse. Now, and I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, ethnic diversity and gender diversity, although I am talking about that, but but I'm talking also about background and uh, interests. You know, w- w- it used to be that when I went to a diplomacy event in, say, 1994 or something, most of the people there were people that thought like me, did things like I did, liked the same things I did. And I think that's less true now, and that's actually a good thing. It's, it's more exciting, actually, to meet and deal with and interact with people that are not exactly like you. So that's one way in which I think we've changed. But, you know, to be a little more technical, I think another way that we have changed is that, frankly, the play has gotten better. <clears throat> I think, in general, people have more opportunity to play because of the online space than they did back, you know, when I first started playing. So you've got more experienced players, even if they've only been playing for a few months, they have the opportunity to have played a lot of games during that few months. So you you end up with, and I'm not saying everybody's great. I mean, we all know that's not true. But 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 as, but by and large, I think hobby play has improved over time, and I think the chances of that uh, imp- uh, being even better are increased because of things like the Diplomacy Broadcast Network that, that, you know, people that are learning the game can literally watch something that's entertaining and educational 
and teaches them about the game and enter, entertains them at the same time. I, I can't help but improve the hobby and improve diplomacy play within the hobby. So, so with that change in the demographic and the way that the overall gameplay has stepped up, what what elements there have you seen has probably had the greatest impact? Is it more in, in the, the strategy space, the relationship communication space, or more in the tactical space? Gosh, that's, I think it's probably all three, honestly. But um, mm-hmm. certainly on the strategic level uh, of, of deciding when to make a move, <clears throat> when to ally, when to break that alliance, et cetera, I think, I think some of those... Uh, instincts and some of those behaviors have gotten a lot better than in the in the early days. Tactics, I mean, I think one could always have gotten better at tactics in, back in the day by playing you know more games. But it's just so much easier to play a lot of games now. And if you wanted to you know get on conspiracy or get on duplicity or whatever and play a bunch of games in a week, you sure as heck could. You know, and in addition to the fact that there's so much material available online in terms of articles and strategy and tactics stuff. I mean, some of it's crap, as we all know, but, but there's a lot of good stuff there. And, and, and again, not to come back to DBN and harp on it too much, but I really think watching a DBN broadcast of a tournament, you know, that's got 5, 10, 11, 20 games, however many games are in the tournament, and watching the commentary from people who know what they're talking about, uh, I really think you can learn a lot. I've actually learned some. I didn't think I had much to learn, and I think I have learned some by watching some of those things myself. I totally agree. I mean, there's there's been some games that I've watched uh, where tournaments have been covered on DBN where it's not just watching how great players play and taking that on board and just making your own assessment. It's having that, that deeper level of analysis, I think, from the panellists, which really um, I've personally found to be quite useful in, in the way that I approach some of my games. Yeah, it's really something that I don't, you know, we really have not had in the past. I mean, we've had demonstration games in diplomacy world ever since the, the zine ex- has existed back in the 70s. You know, but the demonstration games, and they had commentary, but it's just, it was nothing like this. Um, and I, you know, and there, are, there are some other video products online. I'm not saying there's not. Uh, there's some other diplomacy media that's really good on, on YouTube. <clears throat> but I think DBN in particular has the, potential for for really improving gameplay for those who who watch those streams that are learning the game i mean if i was watching those streams when i was learning the game i really think i would have picked it up much quicker no that makes sense um so so you mentioned earlier on actually when it comes to dbn and and what it does and that there's like this this planning that obviously it goes into each um you know episode that you put pull together do you have like a bit of a a forward plan for what you what you've got coming up into the future on on DBN, or is it more as something kind of comes to any of those main contributors, like a bit of a bolt in the in, you know out of nowhere, they kind of just jot it down, and that just happens to be what what comes up in the next episode. How do you approach those type of things from a um, a creative perspective? Well, it needs to be a mixture of the two. You need to have a mixture of planning into the future so that you've got some some basis for your episodes. But you also have to be flexible and adapt to things that might happen. You know, the headlines that I do for the first 10 minutes or so of each episode obviously can't be written all that far in advance because I'm really looking for the news. You know, what what happened last week in diplomacy? 
what article came out about what subject, you know. Some of the, so those things can be planned for some, but mostly what I'm planning for there is the places I'm going to go to look for the news, and I've got a list of those. Um, and then the uh, panel discussions and the interviews and stuff, those are some things I plan out in advance to the extent I can. I mean, I've already planned November, I've already planned December, and I've already got some other names, uh, I mean, some yeah, names and topics for, for, the, for the beginning of 2021. Um, so there, I'm a little bit of a compulsive planner anyway, so I, I actually enjoy that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that, that's actually part of the fun for me is, is the creative process of putting the episode together. Uh, just as a, as a foreshadowing, the November episode of, of Deadline News, our panel discussion is, is about how players should adapt and do adapt to playing under different scoring systems. I don't want to get into a scoring system debate because I... I famously joke about this. I got tired of those debates about 29 years ago. <laughs> but I, so I don't want to debate scoring systems, but I do want to talk about how players should adapt to whether they're playing, you know, a sum of squares or playing the Dixicon system or playing Carnage or playing Tribute or whatever. You know, it really does or should affect gameplay, at least if you're trying to maximize your points. So we're going to talk about that a little, a little bit with a, with a panel of, of experienced hobbyists. That's going to be good. Um, I hope so. You, you, you probably can put it put ahead on your forward schedule. Cross fingers. We'll probably be having our, our first face to face game. You know, in in a post COVID world now. Uh, what 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 do you reckon, Kana? Towards the end of next month, in end of November, early December. Sounds about right. Yep. Oh, that's a spectacular! I'm I'm absolutely going to want to talk about that. So. <laughs> well, we've we've had, we've had this we've had this theory that maybe if, if we kind of get at least you know eight people there, one person can almost be like a uh, um, an interviewer going around and interviewing the players as they're actually playing, and or or kind of being a fly on the wall for for conversations between players. So, oh, that that'll be great, and actually, that's a fun. That's a fun comment, given the fact that we've been trying to think at DBN about what is our coverage going to look like once things go back to being normal face-to-face instead of virtual face-to-face. When when we cover, you know, the next DixieCon that's face-to-face, how are we going to cover that? We're not going to do it the way we have been doing it, where we go through each game and show all the moves, because the moves are not going to be in Backstabber. They're going to be on a board with wooden blocks. Yeah. So what's that coverage going to look like? And it's going to be like what you were just talking about, H- having somebody there to interview, maybe to take some video, to take some photos and report, you know, the highlights of the game on our show instead of reporting, you know, every single move. But all of that's still in flux and, and, and sort of in the planning stages, because who knows when that, you know, next virtual, I mean, next face to face tournament's going to be. But the fact that you're going to have a face to face game might give us a chance to see how you do it and, and, you know, maybe learn some lessons there on how you might cover something like that. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I think it's just a simple, I mean, nowadays everyone's got an iPhone or smartphone, which has got, you know, high, high definition video that's built into the, the system. So it doesn't take much to probably just walk around and just grab some, you know, commentary or just be, as I said before, a fly on the wall and see how people are approaching that. Send it on through to the, you know, the editorial staff, so to speak. They can do all their wonderful tech stuff. Um, yep. and uh, and then you know put it all together and bang you got at least got a story and I, I think you're right I think there needs to be a um, 
with the way DBN would work into the future, once we get through all this stuff and we do have face-to-face tournaments again, there, there does need to be like a change in the way, I suppose, that that is that's covered to kind of continue that momentum in the uh, in the hobby and, and the way that the um, deadline news approaches things. Right, 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 right. I mean, you could, if it was a tournament with a top board, you could almost do the top board in the way that DBN has been doing it because you have somebody, you could have somebody uh, in enter the orders into backstabber or whatever program you're using and, and handle it that way. But yeah, otherwise I, th- I think there's just, a, there's a lot of room for creativity on how we're going to cover these events in the future. But see, I think people are going to be interested in us covering these events in the future. I know I'm going to be interested in that. Yeah. Look, I mean, let's use that as an example. I mean, I can kind of, I might be totally wrong around the technology and, and, I'm kind of assuming that neither you or, my, or, or myself or Kana will know this one, David. Um, but like even if you had like a top board within a virtual game, it would be interesting to see if that could be configured with the permissions, so to speak, that, you know, somebody who could be almost like the, the tournament director who's a trusted individual may have the ability to be able to record all the conversations going on between players so that that stuff could be sliced up and used at a later date. I, I don't know if that's technically possible or not, but that's, I suppose, more a virtual approach to to what we were just talking about within a face-to-face environment. Yeah, I'm, I suspect that could be done. I mean, I've, they, they've done that at DBN for the virtual events. You know, they go into the, into the chat, I mean, to the uh, voice function, in Discord and actually record some of the conversations and play it back during the DBN coverage. But in terms of a face-to-face event, I, I assume that there would be some technical way to do that. As you pointed out, we do have some pretty amazing technological things in our pockets these days. As to whether or not people would actually be willing to be recorded there, Ambi, is, is, is the next question. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it'd probably have to be part of the, the, the terms and conditions, so to speak, of participating in the tournament. Mm-hmm. That, that's true. Hey, David, you mentioned um, you, you've, got a, you've got a team of editors. Um, do you want to give a shout-out to them? Who are they? Well, it's really Zach. Uh, I think Zach, does, Zach Moore does most of the editing. Um, but Brian Pravel and Brandon Fogel are also involved. Anything technological or on the technical end of DBN, you can count on one of those guys being involved in it. I mean, they are they are truly amazing in what they're giving our hobby. Because Zach is, uh, as you know, is also the developer and the you know the commissioner of the Virtual Diplomacy League. Um, so you know the the, the amount of contribution to the hobby that we've gotten from those guys is is simply astounding absolutely hey what uh, so coming right back to the beginning why why you as an anchor why why, why <laughs> you? well <clears throat> i think part of it is that i'm simply have been around a long time and know a lot of diplomacy people and so the idea of of getting a face that was pretty um, I mean, literally, I've just been around forever. So I think that was the, 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 the thinking. In addition to the fact that I do have some theater background, I know how to speak, I know how to look in the camera. Um, I'm not saying I'm some kind of professional broadcaster. Obviously not. I'm a, I'm a lawyer, for goodness sake. But, um, but I do have the ability to speak, and, and uh, I know a lot of people that, you know, that I can use as sources and that I can bring on to the, 
you know, to, to, to the show. So I think that was the general concept. I'm not saying it would, if it wasn't me, they could, they would have found somebody else to do and it would have been fine. But I think I was, I was particularly suited for the role. And it also sounded like fun to me, you know, uh, COVID has, has, has knocked me for a loop and I have lots of hobbies and I can't do any of them. So this gives me something to do that I think is fun. You mentioned obviously with your, your, your legal background, David, there seems to be a lot of lawyers in diplomacy. Why do you think that is? Well, I think part of it is that, you know, my, my, particularly my job in the law involves negotiation. I mean, I negotiate every day multiple times a day on multiple platforms, uh, multiple uh, types of cases. So I think in the sense of it being a negotiation game, that that fits what a lot of lawyers do very well. And I also think just lawyers tend to be people who like to talk and like to um, uh, establish relationships. I mean, lawyers get a bad rap sometimes, but the good lawyers that I know uh, are thoroughly likable people who establish relationships and use those relationships to accomplish, you know, shared goals and goals that their clients need them to accomplish. And I, I think there's a lot of those skills that are totally transferable to a game like diplomacy. Now that makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, I haven't got any further questions, David. How about yourself, Kana? I've got two questions. Oh, good. Okay, so so the first um, the first one is David. Um, do you play online a lot prior to the COVID act? Uh, you know the COVID crisis. No, I played some online prior to the COVID crisis, so to speak. Um, but I am primarily a face to face player. I do play some online, and I've. Uh, Actually, been playing some variant games lately because I've been listening to y'all's podcast. <laughs> I mean, I've always liked variants, but I really hadn't been paying attention to, you know, VDIP and, and various uh, types of variants that are available online until I started listening to you guys. And then I thought, you know, I've always liked variants. I used to run a lot of variants in my face to face tournaments. I'm going to go see what's online. So I got on VDIP, played a couple of games, and I'm enjoying that. Uh, the logical follow-up question is: What variants in particular uh, appeal to you, or aspects of the variants appeal to you? Well, yeah, I don't know if I could call it individual variants per se because I, I don't pretend to be an expert. I, I tend to like map variants instead of rule variants. That's a term that we used to use way back, you know, twenty-something years ago when we played a lot of variants. The variants that are mostly, um, you know, you just take the diplomacy rules and change the time period and change the part of the, of the globe and so you have a, what we call a map variant those really appeal to me because i'm such a history buff but the variants that change the rules a lot eh, i mean i can i can i can um you know give or you know take or leave those uh because i just find those harder to um get my you know get my brain around you know if i'm going to play a variant i want it because i want to have a different map in a different set, of, and maybe no stalemate lines, and a diff- different number of players, and you know, d- different ideas on 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 how to how to conquer that particular part of the map or something. And as I said earlier, really enjoy the history part of it. So um, in, I'm sort of a sucker for any kind of map that involves a more obscure uh, part of history. 
So, as as a fellow history nerd, um, what 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 periods of time or um, geographic locations appeal to you in that space? I do like ancient a lot, and I have played some ancient Mediterranean, which I guess is sort of the grand old uh, variant for that particular genre. Um, but you know, I've played a lot of other ones. Uh, you know, back back in the old days when we played a lot of variants face to face, the the reason we did that was we would we, really the focus was on five player variants. Variant, in other words, games that you could do at a tournament when you didn't have seven, yeah, or it would make it easier to have multiple boards if you didn't have to have seven. So we used to play a lot of. There was a five player variant called fourteen ninety nine that was uh, uh, a, a basically Italian city states fighting with each other that was very popular back in the day. There was a, a variant called Viking Dip that was five players. But, you know, <clears throat> frankly, almost any, any, any map variant uh, I'm going to be interested in. I have yet to play a, 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 an Africa map that I thought was particularly well designed. Uh, for some reason, I think that it's just hard because of the, t- the, and this is also true for South American variants sometimes, you don't, the, the, the fact that there's no, well, the, the fact that, there, that there's not any waterways going through the map can be kind of an issue. Uh, we don't have, there's nothing like we have the Mediterranean on the classic map that kind of breaks things up or the, or the Baltic Gulf of Bothnia area. So I've, I have yet, I'm, I'm sure there are some, I just haven't found one yet that I've really enjoyed that much, but I'm, I'm still looking. I absolutely agree with you there, David. The topography of Africa is a really difficult one for variant creation. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I sometimes think, well, you know, if you if you crank the sea level up 200 metres and you flood some of those areas, just hypothetically speaking, you could end up with quite an interesting kind of scenario with a larger inland sea kind of thing going on um, some of those regions. But, but then are you playing Africa? So... It's, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really true. And yeah, the other thing about variants, I want to say, I, I, I've played the. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's basically a Vietnam War one that was that they got put on duplicity. You know what I'm talking about? It's a relatively new variant. I think it's also five players. <clears throat> played it a couple of times. It's it's totally imbalanced, and I wonder if, I mean. It, and this happened, uh, Avalon Hill itself, as you may know, did a variant called Colonial Diplomacy that they produced. And they just went off, they took somebody's idea and went and produced it without talking to the diplomacy hobby, who could have told them after a couple of uh, plays through, this thing screwed up. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, it's not balanced. Japan cannot be conquered. You know, there's all sorts of issues with that map. And I, I hope that some of these uh, sites... We'll do a little vetting on the on the variants that they put on there, and maybe ask some people in the diplomacy hobby. Have you guys played this? Is this thing actually balanced? Because if it's not balanced, maybe we shouldn't be putting it on, you know, some site like conspiracy or duplicity. Yeah, I mean, on that front, it's kind of um, it's a bit bit ad hoc, if I can put it that way. So you'll find that some variant developers will be really, really uh, diligent with making sure that not only do they think about balance when they're developing up their map, they will um, do a lot of actual testing uh, with people prior to that map being released, in which Mm. case 
they're, they're obviously the maps that you're talking about, which are, are great to play on because you, you do have that, that true intrinsic balance that's going on. But other, other times, someone will just go, I just want to do this map. <laughs> and they'll pull it all together and, and slap it all together and provided technically it all works, um, the, the quality control, if I can kind of call it that for a release, doesn't necessarily preclude that from going live. So um, I, I think you find that most of those sites, whether it's VDIP or Duplicity and places like that, are more interested in, great, we've got something new, rather than, great, we've got something new and balanced. You know what I mean? And usually you'll find the community uh, will will go in, they'll start playing these these particular maps, and if they're not balanced, they won't go back and play them again. So you'll often mm. find, uh, I'll use VDIP as an example, where you can kind of, you know, you can get the big long page of over 100 different variants, and you can also see how many people are playing or how many games are currently going on for each of those variants. And right. m- most cases, it's the same variants that are played quite regularly, which are, generally speaking, have a, a fair degree of balance built into them. Uh, those that don't, you'll find some people come along, they'll play it, and they'll go, nah, I'm not going to play that again. And then mm. as a result of that, the variant doesn't get doesn't get used too often. So um, that's just my interpretation of where things are at. Kind of, as, as a fellow variant developer, do you have a, a similar perspective? I was just going to say, and following on from that, you know, given that all these variant, more map variants and, uh, you know, they're, they're in the, the public domain, often what can happen is another variant creator comes along and says, you know, I love the idea of this map, I love the concept, but this area is broken. And they'll take that map and they'll do another version of it and then put that new version up and um, see what happens in that space. And that kind of stuff happens as well. Um kind of the, the freedom of the commons in the variant creation space. Um, well, that actually sounds like it could be healthy if that's being done in a way because that you just improve on, on the work of, of past hobbyists. I, yeah, I, I definitely think it's, I, I definitely think it's um, a, a healthy thing to see happening in, in the variant locations. Um, and I'm, I'm always one for like, if, oh, there's a new variant out, I'm definitely going to give it a go. Um, and then I may or may not revisit it, depending on it. But um, I, I have myself adapted variants that are out there themselves based on um, community feedback on various issues of those maps. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that's – and I've made my own variants as well and, you know, hands down half of them are crap. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's all a learning experience and they're out there and anyone's sort of free to come along and tinker with them and, you know – provided proper attributions made, uh, you know, there's no problem. I would like to see variants being played at more at face-to-face tournaments. Uh, as I say, we used to do that way back a long time ago. really hasn't been done as much lately. We still do it at Dixicon every now and then. Um, and I, I sort of wish we'd, we'd had that more often. There are, there are people that just won't try variants. They, they just almost turn up their nose. And that's because they haven't tried it. Once you try it, I think you'd li- I think people would like it. Very good. I agree. Um, Kaylee, did you have one more question, was it? I, I did, yeah. <laughs> that was a big tangent, but a good tangent. Um, David, do you have a have a favourite episode or a favourite um, broadcasting moment so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
I, I, will, I will say this. The last episode we did, the October edition of Deadline News, we had a panel discussion about openings. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. <clears throat> we talked in pretty much in pretty detail, pretty much detail about which openings have been used so far in the virtual face-to-face games this during 2020, and what success have those openings achieved? And we talked about, for example, in the in the set of Austrian openings, that the times that players have actually gone Vienna to Budapest have been more successful on balance uh, statistically than any other opening for Vienna, which was surprising to all of us. And that episode dropped on a Friday, the Friday right before the Saturday um, Tempest event. And lo and behold, at Tempest, we had lots of players using Army to Budapest and doing a DMZ of Galicia. It's almost become a thing here in the last few weeks. To me, that was fun because it made me think people were actually watching the episode and trying trying new things out. That's really fascinating to hear mm-hmm. um, that Galicia is being DMZ more. Um, and the other, I guess, one of the things I've noticed as well is there's a, there's a rise in um, fleets moving to the English Channel, um, which never, going back a few years, you rarely see that happening as often as it is now. Um, right. That's a really interesting trend, David. Yeah, and and I'm not necessarily arguing that those are good or bad things, but I but I do think that people should try new things and, and not assume that the opening X because opening X is the most popular opening should always be the one that you should do you should use. Uh, pe- people need to have some other tricks in their bag and not just pull the, the same one out every time. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Sorry, Hannah. Uh, have you got any questions? No? No, I think that's a bit of a wrap. Is there anything that we haven't touched on, David, that you were you know, hopeful to talk about today? No, I don't think so, except I wanted to say thanks for what you guys are doing. Your your uh, podcasts are really great, and I, I look forward to you know hearing your interviews every every episode and keep it up. Oh, thank you. Most appreciate. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> And we're back. Cheers. cheers. And cheers to David. Thanks for talking to us, mate. It was a great little interview. I really enjoyed talking to him. Wonderful conversation. Yeah, I mean, these things just it just flowed, hey? Like, it was, it was a fun, you know, all-rounder episode. Yeah, I don't know what it is, kind of. I think because we've been doing so many interviews that nowadays, it's become less... I ask a question, you ask a question, the people talk back. It's, it's more a conversation. And... When you're talking to someone who's been involved in the game for the period of time that David has, it's good to have a conversation like that. Yeah, I mean, it's mean, during questions, but you know, yeah. it's great to hear like that perspective of someone who's been around for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a long, long, uh, long involved in the heritage of diplomacy. Um, so I like talking when we're about all that, the you know, the olden days, so to speak, the golden years. Um, <laughs> But just as much enjoyed hearing about, you know, the DBN and how that works and, you know, who's involved in that and taking it forward and, and his part in it as well. Because he's the talent. He's the talent, but I kind of expected him almost to be given the script and just to read it, you know what I mean? But the fact that he kind of plays into that and, you know, came up with, oh, well, I should be an anchor, you know what I mean? I've got to wear the suit and everything like that. That's part of being a news anchor. And that's the great thing about the DBN. You know, it comes across very much like 
you know, it's a professional, um, you know, piece of work for, you know, our <laughs> hobby and <laughs> just, just a game, you know? This <laughs> interest. I don't know if any other any other games have something similar to that where they've got something that comes across as like a, a professional broadcasting network for just a game. Oh, there's a good question. That is a good question. Yeah, because you're not going to get like, you know, professional, like, you're not going to get monopoly broadcasting networks, so. Well, I don't know, but there is a, like an international monopoly tournament. Oh, of course there is. Well, if there's, oh. if there's an international tournament for diplomacy, there'll be an international one for Monopoly. Mm. Heavens forbid, there's probably one for Risk as well. <laughs> so, again, thank you very much, David. Great interview, and I hope you uh, you all enjoyed that one. Um, so, by the time this, this interview, this episode comes out, it's probably about a week and a half. So we're going to do a bit of a, a new segment, you know, what's going on in the diplomacy world. That being said, it might be a little bit old, but maybe you haven't heard some of this stuff. So, you know, it'll still be good for you anyway. All right, so carnage. Carnage, yes. Um, How did you go? Coming, I, look, the timeline, I was going to play the boss, right? Yep. Um, and the timelines just didn't work out for me. You know, the, the top board um, happened to be on a, well, a work day for me, so I couldn't oh, make. Was it on a Monday? It was on a Monday, yeah. yeah fuck, which is just, yeah, well, But I think you, I kind of remembered... We might be able to kind of rewind here and kind of have insert what you actually said. So I might be able to jump on a board, actually. Oh, I think I actually said um, that I'd take the Monday off to play it. You did too! I did. I did. <laughs> um, yeah. I think you said you were going to take a sickie, actually. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> I would if there wasn't so much going on at work. Uh, actually, okay. to be honest with you, okay. you know, um, too much shit going down. Yes, 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 yes. But you know, sh- I'll just do a shout out to um, well, the winner, mm-hmm. Bill Hackenbrucht. Did he win? Champion. Fuck me. Um, of Carnage, uh, second place, following Bill um, Ed Sullivan. Ah, oh, go horns go. Third, third place. Third place. Uh, Nick Third place. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers! To kick in. Um, third place is Nicholas uh, Sahuge. Sahuget. Oh, okay. Um, fourth, Baron Jane. Fifth, Ben Kelman. And sixth, Adam Seigel. Siegel. Right. Um, seventh came to Chris Brandt. The best Austria, Ken Kelman. Best England, Peter McNamara. Oh, fuck, why am I not surprised? <laughs> Uh, best France. Max did, did, did you do it by allying with Russia again? <laughs> uh, yeah, best France, Maxim Popov. Best Germany, Jackson Roberts. Best Italy, Nicholas Soget. Uh, best Russia, Ed Sullivan. Best Turkey, Kirk Thorne. Best, oh no, market game champion, JJ Raymond. What's a market game champion? I don't know. Is uh, that like in the boss or something? Oh, yeah, the boss. That's the boss. Yeah, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, the tournament director's choice, Chris Campbell. The player's choice went to Dave Roberts. The golden blade went to Ed Sullivan. The rusty blade went to... <laughs> the rusty blade? Yeah, <laughs> went to Matt Krill. All right. Um, the meltdown was an equal tie between David Milutsky and Brad Blystein. Blitzstein. Um, the barrel of monkeys went to R2B1, Bert. Uh, free movie to Pace Road. And Nostradamus to Farron Jane. 
Wow. So Pretty. there you have it. Um, uh, back to the market game. So I initially was um, okay. So back to the bourse. Yep. So I understand the rules of the bourse. There's established rules of bourse out there in the. Um, well, you've you've run two bourses. I've, I've run very more actually. Run, yeah. I've, run well, a few, okay. I've run a few. Only two um, that I was aware of. So. Oh, yeah. I've run ones where players are actually participating in the bourse, and I've run games where. The players are playing the game, and there's a boss running alongside. Gotcha. It. Yep. Which um, is kind of like this one. Yeah, which is like this one. However, the Carnage decided to do a little bit different with the market game rules instead of a, like the traditional boss. Okay. Well, what I understand is boss. So, what's the difference the between the two? Well, the market game rules is everyone starts with a game with a hundred units of currency. Um. Prior to the start of the game, the players can spend their currency to purchase shares in the country in country at the cost of four units a share. Okay. Right. The share purchases are recorded by the players in the channel of their, that particular category. Um, trade you can trade between players of currencies and shares throughout the game. Right. So you can trade with other players. Yep. Um, Oh, okay. And those trades are yep. then recorded in the trade space, uh, similar to the share purchases. So, can I ask a question here, or should I just let you keep going? Um, I'll just finish this off because okay. there's a little a few more rules, a little bit more. Um, at the end, um, when the game finishes, all the trades cease, and whoever merges with the largest net worth between the shares and the currency will be the winner. And that was it. Okay. In, in a nutshell. So, casting my mind back to the times that you've run a bourse, yep. um, and we have a situation where, I don't know, some country is down in the dumps, it's looking like it's, I don't know, how's it work? When something gets, their, their price gets kind of pushed down by the number of, sorry, the price of the currency is based on how many people are buying minus how many people are selling. Correct, yeah. But the value of and that then the amount of shares yeah. you have of that country is relative to the amount of supply centres that country has. Yeah. So is this market rule though? So theoretically, I could buy is like let's say Turkey's down to seven cents. Yep. For some no, unknown reason, I want to buy a hundred thousand Turkish lira or whatever they are. Yep. I can do that if I've got the money to buy. If you had the equivalent of seven hundred, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with the market thing, from the way you're describing it, is it actually based more on the lines of you need a willing seller to a willing buyer? So, in other words, I can't buy ten thousand Turkish lira unless someone wants to sell ten thousand Turkish lira. Or is it different? Seems to be. So more like, more like the, the, real, real life. You know what yeah, I mean? A bit more real markets. life. A um, bit more like less shares tradable mm -hmm. uh, at a time uh, that sort of stuff so okay. um, it's a little bit different um, I'll be interested to, I'll be keen to hear how players made out with it if they enjoyed that different style do you know who coordinated that uh, Maletsky did oh, okay they did yeah, okay. yep 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 um, and, and it's all there online you can see who's done the haggling who's done trades on the discord channel yep um, you know it's yeah. I oh, don't know. 
I'm, I'm leaning towards wanting to start another Borse game. Like nice. player and Borse at the same time. So, so Oh, you're going to play in it? No, 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 but actually run it. Yeah. But have it so that the participants in the game are also participants in the Borse. I find that's where the magic happens. Well, yeah, because you can manipulate the currency situation based on... I'm prepared, to, st- I'm, I'm, board, I'm prepared yeah. to throw you, Kane, at supply centres because I'm going to... We've both agreed I'm gonna, we're going to buy up in you. Oh. Fuck, sorry. Yeah, buy Off up the in... the table. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, we're going to buy up in you, and in doing so, I'm going to throw supply centres to you. Correct, and we can have that secret deal. Yeah. And maybe let another player in on it to boost that... Um, boost the thing, yeah. Boost the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but then later, the on, later on, just kind of keep them out of the final deal. The yeah. other... I do like it because it, let, it, it gives another avenue to the power of that negotiation. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm leaning towards wanting to run another one. Mm. I'm not sure if I'll do it on the 901 map again. That's a good map. Fuck, I hate the 901 map, but it is... Oh, go on. No, no you l- don't. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do. Remember when, they, when there was the 901 tournament where you had to play <laughs> every single... Country of the fifteen countries once, <laughs> every time at least once. Yeah, yeah once you got to play. And I think I did, was it. I never survived any games, or maybe I just was part of the final draw in one game or something like that. Well, what a way to destroy your uh, love of the map. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, oh, well, what other variant would I play it on? Well, I, th- I think it comes down a lot to the well, number, many of, number of participants who wants to play, you know what I mean? Imagine it playing it on divided states. 35 players. Or even Europa Renovatio. Or, yeah, yes, yes. Hmm, that's interesting. So, um, if you're going to do that, you probably do organise that, what, during your, um, once you go on summer holidays? Yeah, I'll probably try to cleave some time out between now and some holidays to set up the spreadsheet yeah. sort of system to replicate. Actually, not a bad idea and start getting people interested. And start yeah, yeah. putting feelers out there and then you know, look to run it sort of or well, start, start of December sort of the aim yep. if I was going to do it. Yep. So that's, that's, well, that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, I think, yeah. Well, that's only what? Two weeks away? Two, two three weeks away, So yeah. by the time this drops yeah, it'll be around jump that onto time. B-dip you'll start seeing... Um, Kana yep. banging the Sign drum. to the game, yeah. Absolutely. These things Good are on fun. you, Kana. You going to join it? Fuck yeah. Awesome. Horse is fun. Horse as long as it's not 901. <laughs> See how many players there are. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Renovat- Europa Renovatio would be a little bit difficult in trying to work out what are the currencies. You'd, have, think, to, you'd have to do a little yeah. bit of Wikipedia research. Yeah, I'm leaning towards just calling the currency the name of the country. Oh, okay. You know, buying yeah, actually, 100 of Naples and 100 of... Yeah, actually, that's not a bad idea. Naples, Florence and Venetian yep. lira yep. or whatever the fuck, you know, you just lose your mind with all those different currencies. Yeah. Even if they did have different currencies back and it then gets anyway. Con- and it gets confusing because, right. like, when you might have, um, like, the kroners... Up in the in the in the Scandinavia, they're all fucking kroners. They're all kroners because yeah. they're all you know they're, whatever the local version of the word crown is. And likewise, in you know you probably find Venice and Tuscany and, and the papal states will all have lira, and it just becomes ah, just Venice yeah, exactly. papal right. states, yeah. Tuscany, yeah. blah 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 blah, Milan. 
and, and it just turned into a nightmare trying to differentiate that. Um, I mean, I suppose you could by the by the name of the country, you know. Yep. V Lira, T Lira, P Lira. I like your idea. No. Just stick, just keep it to the country name. Cool, cool, yep. cool. Um, so, good talk. Good talk, by the way. Um, a couple of other things that are going on at the moment. Uh, but hopefully is an old news by the time we talk about it. over at Webdip. 2021 World Cup. Yeah. So I've, I've been contacted by someone already to participate for whether... Have you been contacted? Bob McBobface. Bob McBobface. Yep. Having a, uh, a local local team with him and you and me and Macca. So that makes four. We need five. Do you need five? Mm. Okay. Was there any other ones in local online players or...? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to find out. We can be... What are we going to be? The Cane Toads again or something or what? Brisbane Cane Toads? The... The... The, the Cane Toad Co-op. Cane Toad Co-op? Yeah, nice. Yeah... Corporation Cane Toad. Corporation Cane Toad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll go back to Bob McBobface and say, yeah, I'm up. If you, uh, you just have... I think we, we actually... Do we, you were involved in the last one? No, I wasn't involved in the last one. Yeah, yeah I didn't do very well. So, actually, the, did, you, did you read what it's all about on the forum thread? I did, and I'm just going to pull it up right now. So, there's about six games... Pl- no, five games played... And then there's other... I couldn't quite work work out how the bonus games are played. So there are two games that are normal full press in the the tournament. There's one um, public press game. There's two gunboat games. And then there's this range of 1v1 tournaments as well. 1v1 games. But I don't know how those ones relate to the... the, um, uh, the World Cup. Oh, look, I think the main thing is just make a team and sign up and they'll tell you. Like, I, I mean, uh, yeah, as you read more into it, it gets a bit more complicated, but, you know, oh, so teams consist of four players. There we go. There we go. Chop done. Job sorted. <laughs> oh. Yeah, hip hip hooray for Brisbane. Hip, hip. Yeah, go. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I was going to say Bro- go Broncos, but wrong, wrong, wrong thing. We're go Cane Toads. Go Cane And by the way, when I say Broncos, it's got nothing to do with the Denver Broncos. The uh, local football team here is the also the Broncos, Brisbane Broncos. Brisbane Broncos, yep. But they highly recommend a substitute. I wonder... Mm-hmm. I wonder we can convince... Uh, Peter McNamara as an honorary Queenslander to participate. Ooh, good question. That would lift our game considerably. (laughs) I would be happy to kind of sit out all of my games and just be the backup substitute to increase our chances of winning. (laughs) As long as you kind of run on the field for like five minutes, you kind of get the trophy at the end, don't you? That's the way it works. I saw, I saw a meme, you know, uh, it's a scarecrow standing out, 
in a paddock somewhere. Yep. You know, crow circling and he's, he's got his pitchfork and, you know, big smiley scarecrow. And the meme says, you know, um, I got a medal because I was outstanding in my field. <laughs> Down in that, 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 that line of thinking. Um, yeah, I'm sure, but I don't know if Melbourne would want to set up their own team, given they've got a, like, a pretty decent... Yeah, but they're not really online players, and that was the only problem. I think I know we left this. Oh, but then again, things may have changed. Sure. The whole virtual, yeah, the whole thing. virtual yeah. thing. Mm. Or maybe we can just have like this, you know, Team Australia, Team, team Australia, Team Australia, and where we kind of you know devolves into mate against mate kind of thing. Oh, well, either that, or we just have you know Australia, Australia one, Australia two, Australia three. <laughs> Australia A, B, C, and you know the top players are in the A's. We have to see what the tournament directors have to say. Yeah, I think keep it more geographical would be better. Don't you reckon? Well, yeah, I kind of imagine the people of Queensland will be rallying for our cause and will be kind of like having you know ticker tape parades down the street when we win because <laughs> the word will get out. <laughs> anyway. Um, hey, speaking of web, there's um, updates that have happened over there too. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've, they've now implemented all the ghost rating system, which is really good, cool. Good. I mean, that's an ELO rated sort of ranking space. So, I mean, VDIP's had this for years. Uh, oh, have we? Yeah. It's not called ghost ratings, is it? It's V ranking. V rank. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Mm, similar, similar thing. Similar. You know, it's weighted differently because of the variance that, that's played on VDIP. Oh, yeah, yeah. And ghost rankings have been. Been, been there as almost as long as web did really um, but you know like pulling it more into their code base so it's more in alignment and all of that sort of stuff yep um, but what basically what an ELO system is is if you're playing against someone who's um, ranked a lot higher than you and you win you get a lot more points than if you're ranked high and you beat and you beat a whole heap of newbies and it doesn't work very well if you're ranked high and those newbies beat you. Well, the thinking is that if you're highly ranked, you wouldn't end up in a defeat. You'd end up in a draw, maybe. Right, yeah, but so what happens if you're not as good as people think you are? And you just happen to have one lucky big win? Well, that's the beauty of the web dip system in that they've only got one... It's only based on one ver- on the classic map, oh, is isn't it? it? Right, so... Ah. You know, there's variants on that classic map, so you know they differentiate according to gunboat, yeah, um, and um, point type. I think is the other differentiation point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's the same map. It's not like you know differentiating across a whole heap of variants all the way from three players to thirty-six players. Yep. So that's why there's a different the ranking system slightly different but they're still ELO based yeah okay yeah okay. Mm, yeah cool hey other things over at WebDip which I was interested in was um, a, a forum thread talking about and I'm surprised you didn't know about this oh, I pretty much hang over and hang out in the politics thread in the forum <laughs> I mean I don't I don't like, really go anywhere I'm, I'm sure that, that has but... been absolutely fucking going off like crazy lately hasn't well it? it's more life than I've seen it in for a long while yeah. You know, I mean, when they changed the forum layout, politics just sort of died on WebDip. 
which is one of the really, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about going and visiting the forums that week was the lively political debate um, that happened. Yep. Because of the way the forum was displayed, you know, you couldn't help but see political threads, um, and I really enjoyed that um, because you were getting, you know, point, points of view from lots of different angles, um, and the politics threads still, you know, similar like that now. I mean, it's getting a bit more life in it, um, but you know, that that's just kind of where I hang out. At. So talking politics. Last time we recorded, which was actually before the election happened in America, right? You may remember we kind of included this thing where we, you know, we we didn't because we didn't know. We said, you know, congratulations to you know Donald Trump, congratulations to Joe Biden, congratulations. We don't know who fucking won, right? No, but we do now. But we do now. Well, well. Yeah, it hasn't been declared, has it? Well, yeah, well, it has. It has been declared. Just yeah, um, certain people want to challenge that. Um, but you were saying that you actually you got some 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 um, some good mail that you actually performed quite well with your presidential bid. Well, that's a whole heap of you know voters who voted for undeclared carrot candidates. Write-in candidates. Like Write-in, yeah, 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 yeah. So I like to thank all of my followers. I'm assuming everyone voted for me. Who's well, who else would they vote for, you know? Kanye West, Marge Simpson, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, I like those. So how many you got? You got about 60,000 votes, is that right? I reckon probably more. Yeah? I haven't really been following it. How much I got. Yeah. <laughs> So you, uh, so, so assuming that, um, well, I was going to say assuming Joe Biden is, is um, up again in 2024, but who knows? Because um, really, it's getting a bit on. Um, I know, do you reckon, what are your thoughts on a crack for, for in four years' time? Do you think we'll just, just see how things go? Mm, I reckon we put you up for election next time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, you've had ambassadorial experience. <laughs> Mm. Uh, how about we just we'll, we'll, we'll push that we've got look, we've got we've got at least three years until we have to start worrying about campaigning for that right yeah well, and maybe yeah, we might yeah. be we might be happy with think, where things are going we, we mightn't think that there's that that final you know push need to to you know shake up the game right um. but anyway I think you did well so um, still you know, I mean, you should be proud you, of your you, campaign. Oh, yeah, we didn't absolutely. run a single ad. <laughs> we did, we hardly did any kind of media. Actually, we did zero media <laughs> apart from the podcast and the and the Twitter channel. But you know, at least you didn't do all. Actually, that's the thing. You you weren't like a certain other Twitter presidential person. Well, I don't you weren't. Have you a weren't Twitter. Yeah, I know. I'm happy. We said I'm happy to give you the the account details to you to manage. For you to participate in the Twitter too. I don't. Oh. Okay, that's probably why I lost. This wasn't on Twitter. Yeah, you weren't sending all caps email or Twitters out or tweets out all the time. Yeah, if only I was, I would have won. Yeah. I've got come close to it, man. Actually, maybe, 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 maybe I won't give you the, the password for the Twitter account. <laughs> you might get up to too much mischief. You might alienate all of our listeners and voters. Um, it's definitely a close one, hey? Like, oh, fuck yeah. Well, it seemed close for a long while there, put it yeah, that way, yeah. you know, with all those counting votes. Um, 
I'm, I'm more interested. I'm interested right now, waiting to see how Trump responds to it. That's where my head's at, and probably no more when this drops as to, you know, maybe what what the next two weeks holds. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I yeah, I find that to be the next thing to watch. Yeah. Mm, cool. I'm out of a drink. You're out of a drink. Before we get a drink, though. Oh, okay. Hundred year game. Yeah, the, the, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. All right, after drink. After drink. Okay. Pause. The pause. Top button. Yep. The one with the two stripes is the pause button. Oh, awesome! Thank you, Kana, for that educational lesson. Cheers. Cheers. He just swapped drinks. Oh, fuck! That's nice. It's a Darenberg Lovegrass Shiraz. Okay. As an opening, what was it? Oh, as, a, as, a, as a mid-game Oh, mid-game. Nice. Mid-game nice. tactic. It's where... Ooh, fuck. It's where you've got two allies. Yep. But you really? feel comfortable stabbing one. Ooh, okay. Yep. And you've grabbed two supply centres. Okay. Off the stab. Off the stab. Yep. And you're also, but, but you've kind of done it in such a way that your bills are going to then kind of get at least another two. Alright, that's a nice one. That's a fucking good one. Good one. <laughs> I wish I could be in that position more often. Still on your losing streak. Hmm? Still on your losing streak. How's um, your winning for losers game going? Um, look. It's been challenging. Let's just put it that way, okay? okay. So, I'm having to... Shall I pull out the map? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Why not? Go for it. So I'm having to... Um, I was in a situation where I, was, where I was allied with two players. I made the conscious effort to stab one. Yep. But within a short period of time, my other ally, who I was only left with, joined up with the person I stabbed. So now I'm fighting two. Oh, no. When, in fact, previously I was fighting no one. And look, I had. I was listening today, and I don't know if you'd listen to this one at all, to Brother Board's podcast around the Diplomacy Dojo. And he was talking a lot around alliances. Yeah. And one of the things he talked about, which I find hard to do, but I really need to be more patient around this, mm-hmm. was he was discussing the idea of not attacking anyone. And being oh, yeah. nice to everybody, yeah. which, you know, I try to do, wait for them to, everyone else to piss each other off, and then kind of get involved only then with who you stab, you know what I mean? I feel like Andrew Goff is really good at that. I think you're right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I was in a position where I had nowhere to go, nowhere to grow, yep. and I had just two other people, both were allies, and I felt I had to make a decision to attack one. Maybe, in hindsight, I should have sat on the fence a bit longer and seen how things went. Right. So you're playing England now, and I'm assuming that it's France is attacking you? Well, yeah, so France took uh, Kiel and Belgium, uh, Kiel and Holland off me. Oh, okay, yep. Radio. Um, and... 
and I've subsequently lost St. Petersburg, but then Russia's moved out. Now, okay, so this is coming out in, what, about a week and a half, so I can talk about a couple of things here. We can talk about a bit more um, so I've been, candidly. I've been making overtures to Russia, saying, hey, how about we patch things up? How about I support you into Kiel from Berlin? Okay. I'm saying all the right type of things. And Russia's been coming back to me in recent time, actually for probably last time was about four or five days ago, saying, not yet. I said, that's okay, just, just have a bit of a think about it. That's all cool. Then when the turn happened, she moved out of St. Petersburg into Moscow. So I sent her a message saying, great to see how, I mean, obviously let's let's demilitarise, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Let's, yeah. But, you know, um, let's also get work things out for how, what's going to be our strategy taking it forward? Now, seeing we're going to be, this is not going to come out for a week and a half, Yeah. my guess is she's moved out of St. Petersburg in spring so that Livonia and Moscow will bounce in St. Pete so she can build a fleet to fuck me up. Because yep. she's given me no response back to my message. Okay. And I think when you get no response back, that's even more so spidey signals go, danger, danger. So what I'm planning to do is use my fleet in Finland to support one of her units, which will be going for a bounce back into St. Petersburg to fuck it up. What do you think? Very passive-aggressive of you, Ambi. Thank you. <laughs> Don't you think that Russia is starting to get a little bit concerned about those uh, Turkish armies working their way up the um, coast of Austria? Um, look, if I was Russia, yes, I would be. Maybe that, and that's the thing. So, look, worst-case scenario, I support Livonia into St. Pete and nothing happens... That's okay. Do you think it'd be better to support Moscow into St. Petersburg? <laughs> Why do you think Moscow? Because there's a higher chance of Moscow moving south than Livonia moving south. Well, why would I do that? Why would I choose Moscow then if it's going to move south? Because you want to be proved wrong, right? You want to give her the benefit of the doubt. You want to give Russia the benefit of the doubt that they're moving their units away from you. Yeah, but I'm a believer. The <laughs> fact that she hasn't kind of responded, and she's been online. And must look, we look. We've right, got to, we've got to talk here professional professionally. This 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 could be one of our fellow cane toad cooperative, cane whatever toad co-op co-op thing yep. for you know the. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's a good player. So Germany's been removed. Yep. Austria is about to be removed by the looks of it. Yeah, look, when you've got Turkish armies in Tyrolia, Trieste, and a fleet in the Adriatic, and, you're and all you've got left is Venice, it's not looking good. Not looking good. And Italy is hanging on to three supply centres whilst being attacked by France. So, basically, Italy's only going to survive by the good wishes of Turkey. Yep. Can I ask another question? So at the moment, I have fleets in the English Channel, fleets in the Irish Sea, fleets in the NAO. Do it. Push. Do it? Do it. 
He's taken two supply centres off you. Yeah. Sorry, Gopher. Love your work. But, uh, bridge too far, mate. Bridge too far. He'll, he'll, he'll probably say the exact opposite, saying me moving into the English Channel was a bridge too far, but, hey, he said, she said. Um, let's move on. Great idea, Kayla. What other games are you playing, Andy? Um, oh, yeah, what other games am I playing? So, I'm in a... What is it? Do you mean to bring my thing up, or are you going to bring yours yours up? No, I'm hoping to bring up yours. Here we go. Hello. What? This always happens. I don't know why this happens. Do you mean to just do it from my phone? Yeah, do it on your phone. Oh, here okay. we go. So I'm playing in. I'm still in that um, modern Europe. You know that big one, that big map. You're still alive in that. Still alive in it. Jesus. I'm like, I'm okay. like, you know, um, for you. the BGs. I'm staying alive. Good for you. Are you still in that? Um, I'm only on one supply center, but it's been actually, it's, it's. Uh, sorry, the, the game we're talking about is the um, Cloak and Dagger series game called Full Frontal Scrotal Lobotomy, and um, I, I think, am I? Is this public? Oh. No, it's it's anonymous. It's anonymous. So I won't, oh fuck, okay. Gotta be careful what I say. But let's just say I'm still a game in the game. Yeah. I've been kind of uh, had to make certain representations to um, friendly players, and it's paid off so far. See, this is a game I would refuse to play if it was rated. Right. You don't like it's the map. It's severely unbalanced. There's some countries there that if you get them, you're stuffed. There's nothing you can do. Kind of like um, Fubar. Yep. You know, you play it right, you're dead. Yep. Okay. But so good on you. So, um, don't you go with the Machiavellian game? Oh, it, it drew. Oh yeah. Were yeah. you in it? Yeah, well, I was part of the draw. Oh, that's not too bad. So, um, oh, let's let's bring that one up. How do I bring that up? I've got to go back into my. I can bring ID. it up here. I've got to. Oh, have you? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I was Austria. I think it was an anonymous game, wasn't it? Uh, from memory, yes. Anonymous, no messaging. Anonymous gunboat. So I was Austria. I ended up with um, finishing up on four supply centres, which was like two more than I started with. Two um, players killed. Three players killed. Three, yep. So, um, survivors were the Mayor of Munster, Ferdinand B, Orange, Taylor Four, and uh, and myself. I'm, I'm interested, why did it draw there? Okay, so, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that um, uh, Milan, not Milan, Venice and the Papacy who had been fighting for a while, stopped fighting. Yeah. Because they could see that France was um, gaining ground. France, ended up, who had been my ally for most of the whole game, stabbed me and took one supply centre off me, just uh, which is Tyrolia. And, um, but since then, we've pretty much kind of created a bit of a stalemate line going on. Turkey was still being a bit cheeky, like having a bit of a tap at me and things like that, but um, didn't do anything. Didn't do anything, yeah. and seemed to be quite happy just to kind of sit t- 
pint in like the Tyrrhenian Sea with shitloads of supports just to kind of block France coming in. You know, the Papal States managed to kind of sneak into Provence and maybe could create a bit of ha- havoc there. So I think basically the game was for, I'd say about at least three turns, maybe four, the, the remaining players, so the five remaining players, four of us had draws in. It was France that was holding out. And it wasn't until um, the Papal States got dislodged by France itself into Provence that um, he decided to put in the draw. Okay, so it was a balance of power play, essentially. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. You going to play that variant again, Amy? I'd play it again. It's actually quite... It's, it's a, a map that is... I thought the map was pretty good. It's quite a challenging map. There's no real free kicks... Anyway, it was good. Okay. Um, what other shit I meant? Uh, you're also in... Oh, that game was Italian Stains, by the way. Uh, pointy, pointy, stabby, stabby. Oh, yes. So, this is an anonymous game as well. So I've got to be careful with what I say. But I civil disordered because I was away camping and I got outrageously drunk and miss putting in turns. <laughs> well, I've been there before. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, it sucks, doesn't it? It sucks yep. because, honestly, I should have been smarter and I could have put in at least temporary orders. Okay. But I was stupid and didn't. Okay. And I'm so paying the price. You're paying the price. Paying the price. Yep. I get that. Serves me right. I get that. Okay, we'll move on out of that one. That's obviously uh, a sore point. Another game I'm in. Actually, a lot of games at the moment. It's a North Sea Wars game, which is, um, I think it's called uh, Prawn Star. And that one is bizarre because, like, all four players are still in the game. Mm. And it has become... Oh, no. Uh, okay, the, the turn must have happened. It's still just happened. Well, it happened as you're recently. responding to it right now, are you? Yeah, look, there's a, there's okay. a bit of bit of cheekiness going on, which is going to fuck it up. Okay, so talk me through that cheekiness. What's happening? Well, um, I can't too much because it's an anonymous game. So if I talk about the players and where they went, it'll give away who I am. Well, you can. Um... Okay, right. No, but just just run through each country what they did. Do I have to? No, I don't want to talk about this one. Let's talk about other things. I did buy in recently into a game where there was a vacant spot. Which one is that? Uh, Enjoy Division. How do you find taking over a a position? Like, I haven't done it for a little while. Well, I was doing okay for a bit. But then, in one turn, literally... This is a gunboat game. Every single one of my neighbours attacked me all at once when they hadn't... When I need... Actually, the turn prior... <laughs> sorry, okay. If I went back two turns, yep. none of them were attacking me. Yep. You take it over and they all attack you. No, 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 no. I was going okay for a while. Yeah. I was having this, 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 this fist fight with just one player. And all my other allies 
were cool with me, weren't moving in my way. They were kind of punching up other people. Actually, it was up against two players. But as soon as those two players got pretty much stabbed, almost not stabbed, on their deathbed, yep. not quite dead, on their deathbed, everyone decided, now's the time to start attacking me. Yeah, so, um, mm-hmm. all I've got to say... So, are you in there for much longer? Um, well, if they continue to attack me, I would say no. Okay. I guess the other one that you've spoken about before is your um, declaration of war game. Oh, yeah. Is that still going? Yeah, it's still going. Um, I know we had to roll that back a season because of yeah, something someone, a while ago. A new, so, so someone's CD... Sorry, she got kicked out of the game because they didn't put in orders and things like that consistently. Yep. Um, unlike me where I had a, an excuse. Um, being drunk. But um, <laughs> in the Declaration of War game, so they, they kind of... A new play came in, didn't follow the rules, they had to change it, roll back, everything's cool now. But, um, yeah, look, the... Is this anonymous or not? Oh, uh, good question. Actually, can you, you can see where I probably... Yeah. It is not anonymous. It's not anonymous? No. Nope. Oh, it's not. Yeah, because that's right, because I've been actually able to talk to some of them. They haven't used their names. Um, but it's an unranked game, because it's a bit of a play, bit of a fun thing. So, I had been at war with... Um, Heartland and Quebec. I'm playing as. Is it, what's it called? Is it Can- No, British Columbia? Yellow. Yep. Okay. But I'm subsequently no longer at war with them. <laughs> this is great. So, I remember a couple of episodes ago, you had high hopes of getting into California quick and early. It's taken a fucking long time, isn't it? It's taken a long time. You're still not even there. Well, you've just invaded Utah. Yeah. But now I own Utah. So no one can move into Utah unless they declare war on me first. Ooh. Are you at war with anyone at the moment? No. I'm not at war with anyone. Except for California, which everyone is technically at war with. Okay. So, see, this is going to come out in a week and a half. My plan is to move Idaho to Oregon, Utah to Nevada, and use my Gulf of Santa Catalina to tap uh, Los Angeles so that San Francisco falls and then take out San Francisco and then take out San Diego and then we'll see where things go from there. Get some builds up. Start looking more like a powerhouse. About fucking time. Instead of being like a wet dishcloth. <laughs> well, enough of how you're going with your games. How's your games going, Kano? I'm playing one, I'm getting sloshed. Slash, yeah. Slash, no, no, I just started with it. Um, it's a Europa Innovatio one. Um, yeah, player, like, I've just, just started. Like, I've gone through that honeymoon period. I've sent love to a neighbour, and that neighbour's just gone, Oh, I love your love. I'm going to attack you anyway. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Mongrel. Oh, so dear. Just, anyway, so that's where it's at. It's, uh, yeah, disappointing. So I'm 
rearguard action whilst fighting a all in wall with war with another neighbour. So you level was, a, So you were work. saying you're keen for a hundred games. Mm. I played this with this year before. Name someone famous, anyone famous from this century. Oh, this century, yeah. Yep. 2000s. Anyway, 2000s? 2000 on, yeah. Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> Great, no worries. Name someone, anyone famous from 1900 to 2000. So I'm going back 100 years. So the Elizabeth next century. Elizabeth II. Second? Well, because Elizabeth I was like in the 1600s. So 1900. So, so. Was she alive then, Elizabeth II? Well, she's fucking alive now. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, is she? Okay, yeah, okay. Well, name someone. <laughs> name someone famous, anyone famous, from 1800 to 1900. Otto van Bismarck. Name someone, anyone, who's famous from the 18th century. Captain James Cook. Name someone, anyone, famous from the 17th century. So now we're talking about the 1600s? Yeah. Is it, can I just ask why, where this is going? I'm just interested. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> um, 16th century. Was that when the... Thirty Years' War was on. Yes. Beginning of the seventeenth century. You're talking about sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundreds. Martin Luther. When did he come along? No, uh, 1500s or 1600s. Okay, but was he alive in the 1600s? That's a good question. All right. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Lutherism. All right. 1500s. 1500s, 16th Liz- century. Elizabeth I. Okay. The 1400s, the 15th century. Oh. 1400s. Yeah. If I look, I, I could probably think about it and come up with something, but I think that's not fair to listeners to listen oh, to like about a minute or two. Sail off to a new continent, discover some. Oh, 1400s. 1400s. Oh yeah, Christopher Columbus. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, the 1300s. Um, Henry V. 1200s. 1200s. What happened in the 1200s? Uh, there's crusades going on still. There were crusades going on. So, maybe... What was the Saracen dude? Question was his Saladin. Saladin. Okay, I'll give you that because I'm not going to Google it. (laughs) All right. Uh, The 1100s. 
1100. The 1100s. King John. Well done. Ten hundreds. William the Conqueror. The bastard. <laughs> Nine hundreds. Alfred the Great. Oh, really? Alfred the Great. It was either the 900s or the 800s. Okay. This isn't a history podcast, Kana. No, I'm just going back. I've seen how far you're back. You go 800s. <laughs> 800s. 800s. Charlemagne? Ooh, no, he was earlier than that, surely. Charlemagne was, uh, he was 600. 100%. Was he? Yeah, no, he was earlier than that. I'm not, yeah. You say so now at this stage you're going to go, brr, brr, you're a fucking failure? <laughs> Charlemagne. Eight. He died eight fourteen. <laughs> well done. Well done. Okay. Seven hundreds. Seven hundreds. Yep. I would say Justinian. The great. He wasn't great, but he was pretty great. The from from the, the Byzantine Empire. Yep. Died 1565. What? No, that's the wrong one. Justinian the first. What? What year do you have? Justinian. Oh, five, I thought you said 15. Oh, so it's 600s. Okay, so I, so I, I flake on the 600s. 600s. That's Great. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I, I played that with my. Um, I played that with Mrs. Kane. Uh huh. And I got 200 years. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Give it a go. See how far back people can go. Just increments of 100. The only reason I kind of had any chance of that is because I listened to way too many history podcasts. No, you did pretty good. Like That, that was a good run. I was expecting a run from you. Yeah. I'm not sure. Look, I'm sure some of our listeners can go back and there may be one or two that might be off by a little bit. But anyway. Um, anyway, that's my 100 years game. I'll be interested. Oh, a, like, is that the 100 years game? That's the 100 years game. I thought you wanted to play a game of 100. No. <laughs> I, I thought the per- as I said, I thought you were challenging me to a game of 100. No. In like the variant 100. Yeah, no. No, no. I was just interested. How far back are you in? Do you want to play a game of 100? Like actually the variant 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a three player one, right? Three players. We need to kind of find another player. <laughs> All right, invite me to one. I think we need to maybe set the. What I'd like to do, how about this? We set the bar at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five yeah. minutes. Talking about right. bar. Pause. Cheers. Cheers. Back. Back. And happy hours ended. Oh, time to get sad. Mm. Okay. So, there's just a few more things I think we need to kind of cover off before we um, wrap it up, Kana, and move Sean on to Connery our Patreon. Huh? Sean Connery died. Sean Connery died. That's right. Like. La- literally last episode I went on this little tangent when you went to the toilet right around his stellar performance in the hunt for Red October and then he fucking died died on us oh yeah, James Bond who would have thought oh dress up Halloween 
uh, no, on. no, you should be, be wearing the Brother Board costume. Um, yeah, I haven't followed up on that. Like, if he did wear that costume, should find know. out. Should find out. Um, so, a couple of other things. Actually, we were just talking earlier on around that whole. Um, we talked about the Web Dip World Cup. Didn't we talk yeah. about the. Yeah, we, should, we did talk about. Did we talk about the Virtual World Diplomacy Classic? No. So you talked about Bill uh, Hackenbrack and how he kind of won e-carnage, but he's coordinating this this new tournament. Oh yeah, tell me about it. So it's see that that dude's excited. Yeah, he's up for it. He's up he's for up it. For a night. So um, this is happening on the 18th to the 19th of December, and then the top board on the 20th of December. Okay. It's five rounds. Ooh yeah. Ooh. Okay. And there's a number of players around the world that are helping coordinate running this. Right. So um, I think it's going to be a big game. Okay. So the fact that you, you I'm on holiday. You missed Tempest in a teapot. I miss you Carnage. You missed E Carnage. Uh, yes. I reckon you need to be going for the Virtual World Dip Classic. All right. And I'm on holidays. I can do that. I can do. That. I you can, can do that. that. So, um, look, we'll create links through to the website. I'm sure if you hop onto any of the Diplomacy Online forums or Discord, you'll find it's up there. Um, head on over to the Liberty Cup website and there'll be details there because um, Bill's got all the stuff up there about it. Cool. Um, only other things, probably just to kind of touch on quickly. A couple of weeks ago. So after we'd interviewed, or sorry, after we last did the last show. Yeah. The um, Foreign Policy Journal yeah, wrote did. a rather lengthy article around the game diplomacy and its yes. impact in real life. Yes, there's a uh, the fellow in the Trump administration. That's right. Yeah. They kind of, um, with the, who the writer went to school with, mm-hmm. um, or college, I wasn't quite sure exactly at what point he there was a co- There was some with, connection there. There yeah. was a connection, yeah. Um, and talking about how you know the game of diplomacy could have really um, helped that particular person survive in the world of Trumpian politics in the White House. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think someone else got fired today. Yeah, um, the Defence Secretary got fired. Yeah, what's his face? Yeah, yeah, that dude. Is that like about the fourth Defence Secretary so far? Uh, I lose track. Honestly, yeah. I tell you what, like, is it because he wouldn't let the National Guard go around shooting people in America? Heaven forbid! Yeah. Why, why would he? Forbid, why would you do? Why that? would you? Why, why would, would you say no that? to that? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. Um, what I was thinking, I was thinking like, okay, there's been over like the Washington Post has tracked over twenty-two thousand lies or mistruths that has come out of Trump, right. essentially, right? And I was thinking. You know, if you got a, I don't, I don't know. Like, if you got a, if you got a stone, yeah, or if you got a, a cup, once a day, every lie that this man has told, how long would it take? How long would it take to exhaust that cup supply? Cup of what? I don't know. Got a glass. Glass of beer. A glass of beer. Right. Right. Or a, a pebble. Right. So do you drink a, a glass of beer every time he lies? Or says a half yeah, truth? Yeah, no, like, it says a half... Like, okay, so the record is, what, it's over 200, uh, 
22,000, right? So that's literally, you would be getting a glass of beer every day for over 60 years. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's phenomenal. 60 years. Well, if you tell me, I don't know if I tell them, I'm not sure I tell a lie a day. I don't, I don't think so. I That's mean, why you would have been a much better president. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of lies. That's a shitload of lies. So, look, um, look, we'll create a link through to the, that foreign policy uh, article as well. But, um, again, I'm sure you can you can just Google it and you fucking find it. You guys are smart. Um, last thing I just wanted to mention very, very quickly. Oh, two things. Last things. I think we've got a date. Oh. For our face-to-face game, our first face-to-face game in a long time. When? Yes, yes, when? So, Sunday the 13th of December. Let's do it. Let's do so, it. So, I've just finished my holiday thing down the coast. Yep. number of the players who are free. are free. Yep. So, I'll put an email out saying, here's the date. Sign up. Make it happen. Make it happen, and if we get more than seven, then maybe we'll do the whole video footage or interview thing like we talked about before, see what happens. Sounds exciting. It's been a while since we've done it. Yeah. Yep. This whole COVID thing threw a spanners in the works. Yeah, but it's, it's actually... Australia's got back on top of it. Victoria's got back on top of it. This is great. So if we stay on top of it. Like, I'd hate to think this sort of... Like, this is the worst case scenario, right? There's... There's community spread out there that we, no one's actually going to the doctor to see. Like it's yep. a benign strain. That's going, oh, i got a cold. Yeah, or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, right. you know, fucking month or two down the track, this benign strain mutates again, or whatever these strains do, and we end up with a fucking outbreak again. That, that's the horror show. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, let's just fingers crossed on that. We're doing good. I think we've had was a second or third day now in a row with no community transmission in the whole of Australia. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm happy about Which it. Which is I mean, amazing. Yeah, when you consider what's going on overseas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does kind of help being a island country where you can't really fucking get to the place unless you kind of come in via a, a boat or an airplane. Boat or airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. Honestly, like England's just going back into a lockdown now. Um, America's just yeah. cool. fucking smashed the hundred thousand a day Thank you. fucking record, which yep. is amazing. Um, yeah, all fucking Asia. God knows what's happening in India. Or, yeah, because none of them kind of. And even if they're they recording test, it they accurately, or if yeah. they're not testing, you know, like it's just scary stuff. So you know, hearts going out. Like my heart goes out to everyone out there. Who's you know in a situation where it's just not safe to go out? Like it's yeah. real it's sad, really. And it's um, you know I empathise with you. I mean, I was in quarantine for two weeks. And yeah, you were. It wasn't that a fun experience, you know. So. Well, except for the fact that you kept raiding the cane of alcohol cellar. Yeah, my um, doomsday um, beer vault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I'll just talk about is. Um, we did do a bit of a, a bit of a shout out an episode or two back, I think, around um, um, anyone who has a bit of a WordPress experience and they know what they're doing. Uh, no one has stood up yet 
so uh, we we do want to we do want to kind of um, um, we, we are still very very keen. Okay. Because the, that web page is still broken, and I still can't work it out. WordPress, huh? WordPress. Mm. So if you're a WordPress guru or even half a guru, you know ten times more than me. Just get in touch, please. Ambi at diplomacygames.com. PM us, DM us. Usual channels. All the usual shit. All right. I think we should probably make a wrap of that, Kainer, and we'll um, get on and do a bit of Patreon fun. And Should we give a teaser to what goes on in the Patreon? Sure. So we're going to talk about, well, you know, you had some ideas around Squirrel Wars. Yes. Um, you've got an upcoming interview that you're going to talk about. No, 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 no. I've got an idea for an interview and I've reached Ooh. out. So it's just okay. just yep. a bit of a teaser there, yes. Oh, interesting. Um, and I'm interested and to talk about the ethics of playing a bot when you don't know it's a bot. Ooh. Okay, upcoming in Patreon. So Two bucks a month. It doesn't cost much. It's a bargain. And look, I know because I see, I, I see when people join and things like that, some people do the... Throw in two bucks, download all the fucking episodes, and piss off again a month later. That's okay. Love you guys. We're okay with it. We prefer you to hang around. (laughs) But if you must, you must. Check us out in the usual local places uh, like Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, DiplomacyGames.com. And make sure you subscribe because, like, this week, sorry, the episode just came out before, number 80. Mm. I was away camping. I can organise it so that the, the episode will be scheduled and dropped to anyone who subscribes at the normal time. But I didn't get around to putting... Actually, I still haven't got around to putting the fucking podcast up on the website yet. I'll okay. get it done tomorrow because I've got like five minutes left of the show notes to write up because it takes so fucking long. You do a great job. <laughs> yeah, again, you're the talent caner. You come in, drink all the beers, tell all the stories... And then say, thank you very much and get in your limo and fuck off. (laughs) Cheers, guys. See ya.